On this team, we fight for that itch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch. Back fantasy football continues. Living Legends podcast season two, week eight recap, week nine preview. Um, want to want to get one in really quick. We have uh, we have a guest of the pod. You know, friend of the pod is 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 in the studio as well to join Lord Dolan, Mr. President, and, and myself. We have Jamal here, uh, Mr. Mobley. Please int- introduce yourself and the uh, and the teams that you have in the league this year. Well, thank you for having me. Um, uh, one of my teams. My teams are Wakanda Righteous Brothers and Sycamore. What was it? The Sycamore? I can't remember my name now. Bishop, Bishop Sycamore. Sycamore. Bishop Sycamore, which is a, a real topical, <laughs> real topical name. That's a, that's a, that's a quality one. It was topical back in uh, back in the summer when uh, the the fake high school team fielded a, a squad that had no business being on the field. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was good times. Okay, so so we're uh, we're all here today. Wanted to kind of go into some of the uh, the topics for the for the week, as well as kind of um, talk about what happened in, in the fantasy world last week. It's been very very action packed. A lot of news. Um, we will um, obviously touch on Henry Ruggs and everything that happened there. Uh, but we want to start off with uh, with something a little bit a little bit less heavy, but still heavy. Uh, COVID. And how it's affecting this year. I know last year we were going into the year saying football will be will never be the same. This year is going to be completely different. Uh, and it looks like we are seeing more effects from COVID this year than we did last year. So I, I want to open up with that for, for discussion and, and get your, your thoughts, gentlemen. So I know we talked about this coming into the season of how impactful COVID would be, when it would happen. And I think the biggest headline during preseason was sort of Cole Beasley's resistance to getting vaccinated. And that that was the COVID headline through the first, I don't know, what, third of the season. But I feel like the last two weeks specifically, it seems like every other day there's a new player and superstar player who's being diagnosed with COVID. And it's having implications on the NFL team and the fantasy team. The Packers specifically was Devontae Adams and then the entire receiving core last week. And then now Aaron Rodgers this week, he's not going to play. And just thinking, does the, do we think it continues to unravel team to team as more teams are playing one another? Or do you think that the NFL will start to put some sort of measures in place like they did last year to essentially flatten the curve of the spread through the league? I mean, I'll say the, the NFL already has it in place. I mean, when are they going to start making people forfeit games and pay game checks for, for both teams? Yeah. Like the penalties are so punitive. Um, and I think what's been interesting is especially with the, with the Roger stuff is they, they knew he wasn't vaccinated. He hasn't been wearing a mask at all. I mean, teams have lost draft picks. Raiders got fined half a million. I think they lost a pick and the saints got fined and the Packers have just been, letting Rodgers roll around like like he had that good stuff and he didn't. So I think everyone's going to be like, yo, double standard, what's going on? So it'll be interesting. I mean, the Packers are what everyone feared would happen. 
position group gets decimated. Now you got yep. star players in like key matchups. Like, um, so I don't, until it starts getting to like, they never really define the whole idea of it takes uh, a spread from unvaccinated players. And then they would just determine like, Oh, you need to forfeit. So I don't know what that threshold is. No one's really pushing that question. So it, we should find out pretty soon. I mean, folks need to get suspended, maybe at the very least, find draft pick something. The Packers should be punished for what they've allowed to happen. So I don't, I don't know. But this is this is where middle of the season all of a sudden this thing is rearing his ugly head. Yeah, it's really wild. I, I I think the the fallout with Aaron Rodgers and and it's one thing for the Packers to treat him differently. Well, it's Rogers and you know, you're, you're going to do what you're going to do. But once it comes out that like, Hey, he's got, he's got COVID and he's been unvaccinated all this time. And you're, you know, we, we got you in 4k at all these different things without, you know, without a mask. Um, it's, you, you got to do something. You can't just, you can't just be like, ah, it doesn't really matter. You got to do, you got to do something. So it's going to be, it's going to be rough because they were in contention after in a year that was supposed to be a throwaway year, because we really thought like Rogers may not even play, then he plays mm-hmm. and he, he reminds you that he's Rogers. So that's uh, that's going to be wild. Um, with with that, we have we have you know more kind of blast from the past in, in a way of just not really living up to to expectations. Um, both on the coaching side and on the uh, on the player side, but, but st- speaking, uh, starting specifically with players who are just not doing what they're supposed to be doing or what you thought they were going to do, what is what is the uh, what does the group feel about about OBJ? Is he is he watched? He is he a victim of of the uh, uh, of the Baker Mayfield progressive insurance hype that's just not doing what it's supposed to do? <laughs> what are what are what are our thoughts? I I think he's just washed. I think, you know, the what made him really good in New York, that one-handed catch on Monday Night Football in his rookie year aside, was making taking small short passes and turning them into touchdowns, turning those into 70-yard touchdown passes. And you don't need a strong-arm quarterback to do that. Baker Mayfield is not a strong-arm quarterback, but he's an accurate quarterback. And he can put a slant on you. And OBJ can't do that anymore. He's not getting open. And on those intermediate and short routes, and he's not turning short routes into long, long gains and touchdowns. So, I mean, you know, it's he's post knee, post ACL knee surgery. Yeah, he might just be done. Yeah. I, I have to agree with the washed. If I had to put it into any column, the ACL injury, that that ankle injury when he was with the Giants was a bad injury that kept him out most of that year, and he didn't even look like he was healthy when he finished that season. Um, and I think, I think, oh, this is no excuse, but he came out and said that he has a shoulder problem, but he was playing with the Giants with that. But anyway, I, I think injuries just took the toll on his body, and I think he's just not the same player he was those first three seasons with the Giants, regardless of quarterback play or coaching style with Stefanski. Yeah. The, the, Mr. President, do you, do you feel he's, he's washed as well? I mean, is it full-on laundry? Maybe. I mean, I think there's an element of just like, he doesn't want to be there. I mean, he's got his dad cutting clips of him being open. His dad, come on now. You know, <laughs> I mean, 
why not just do the Kevin Durant fake burner account and start tweeting from there? I, don't, I mean, why? Like, what really? Come on, OEJ. Like, what, he's out there. Like, now my dad went and did that research, and you know, he put that together. I mean, it's it's awkward that he's in this. He's not a part of the team, but he's. It's like, you know, sit on the sidelines, stay at home, get paid your eight million dollars, and we just don't want to deal with you. I mean, just just cut him at this point. Like, I, I don't understand. So I think he doesn't want to be there. Plus, he's kind of banged up. And if he doesn't have the burst to take small gains to Jamal's point and take him to the house, I don't know what system he works well in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is is there another player in the NFL, whether fantasy-wise or just really on the field, that you think stands out as far as the, the this person's watch? They're not, they're not hitting the levels that we, we expected them to do. I mean, Michael Thomas is not going to play this year, right? Yeah. He went from the pup list, you know, surgery late to, oh, he's going to be on the pup list to, oh, he's there longer to actually he's, he's gone, right? So uh, people drafted him, you know, in some leagues, and there was a lot of hype of like, oh, he's going to be a, help you on a playoff run. No, I think he's also washed, uh, which, which, you know, it's not the same thing, but I do want to take some time to pour out some liquor for – for Derrick Henry, who uh, mm. you know, this this man, this man, this this man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, when he got hurt, everyone was like, I mean, only a matter of time. But talk about a, a man amongst boys. I mean, I've never, I never drafted him. My fear was always this. Yeah, I would. It would be the year I get him, and then he 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 gets some freak accident, and and he didn't fall off a cliff. He literally got hurt, uh, and they say he may come back. So. But that's that's a that's a fantasy football landscape changing. I mean, he almost had a thousand yards already. I mean, it's just he's ridiculous. He's going to end up top five rusher even if he doesn't play again this year because that's that's what he was up to. He that was actually man. hitting up. He was in a point where we had to start including him in all time running back. Yeah, list. yeah. Like he wasn't a top yeah. four or five running back, but you had if you get down to like the eight, nine, ten, yeah. you had to start considering yeah. Derrick Henry. Yeah. It, which yeah. is what he's it, been able to accomplish. Which is fascinating because you, you, you go from you're playing on this mid-level, probably lower than mid-level team, and you know nobody's checking for Tennessee. You get a quarterback who was essentially a reclamation project from another team that you know was not really, you know, not really doing it. And then you have these seasons that are so ridiculous and you do. And it's one thing if you're putting up yards in a Chris Johnson type of way where you're just like, I don't know what's going on. He's getting these holes and then he's just flying and it's just, you know, he's just, he's gone, but he's doing stuff that is he's repeating it. Cause it's like, yeah, he has some holes, but then he's also ridiculously fast and putting people into the ground. And so you, so everyone's like, <laughs> all right, so <clears throat> One year, well, you know, okay, and then and then he does it again. Then he does it again. Then you're like, all right, so is he the is he one of the greatest of all time? Because this is nuts. That's 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 really wild. It was it hasn't been since Andrew um, Adrian Peterson, where I remember people talking about a running back in this like you're like a different human being than everybody else on the field type of way. Earl Campbell with Adrian Peterson speed. Yeah. That's that's wild. So so keeping with the washed idea, are there any any um, anyone else in the NFL as far as like uh, coaches or coordinators or teams overall that you feel like 
either they're just completely washed or the the hype is so much more than where they where they should go or how they're being regarded what are you, what are your thoughts so i have one um Kyle Shanahan. Mm. So mm. he is a very smart football mind, a very smart offensive football mind, um, can draw up a lot of great offensive schemes and individual plays. Um, I don't think he's a good uh, head coach. Uh, this is someone who has been to the playoffs one season in four out of four or five, I believe. Um, that one season he went to the Super Bowl. That That is true. But um, he hasn't put together a string of seasons that lead me to leads me to believe that he is capable of running an entire team over a series of, of years um, to create a good program, um, a program that is good on offense and defense and has a leader who has the ability to also pick players. Well, he, he has a hand in player personnel and a lot of that, whether it's Brandon Ayuk, or if it's a uh, Dante Pettis, um, you know the decision to trade uh, the, the I think DeForest Buckner to the Colts for a rookie defensive tackle who I don't think has played much at all the last two seasons. Um, mm. He's made some big decisions, including this last offseason where he traded a lot of first round picks to move up to get Trey Lance, who doesn't seem ready, or at least as ready as we were sold on him being ready um i just don't think this is a good head coach i think this is a good offensive mind who uh, from a team management perspective they decided well we'll get the offensive mind we'll make that person a head coach and hopefully we'll get a quarterback that that offensive line meshes with and we'll go from there but um it, i don't think it's working out for him He's definitely not gone over the hilltop. And I think, you know, for the most part, people have kind of said, well, it's Garoppolo. And that's the that's the hindrance that he has. Um, but that's that's an interesting. That's an interesting take. I haven't I haven't heard the Kyle Shannon is just overall not a not a great head coach. Does anybody else have any any thoughts on that or somebody else that comes to mind for you? So for me, I don't I wouldn't put them into the wash category, but. I think there's still a lot to be proven. And I'm going to, I don't know if this is going to raise some eyebrows. I'm going to say Sean McVay because I know he's having a stellar season with the Rams and he did make that Super Bowl run. But then the following seasons, the Rams were abysmal and they shipped Jared Goff out. They get Matthew Stafford. And the reason why I bring this up is there was one comment made on Sunday Night Football whenever they played this season. And it was through word of mouth that McVay shipped out Goff because he didn't want someone he had to teach. He wanted someone that he can work with. And that's when he got Stafford. And that just brings some questions in mind. If you're a good coach, you should be able to get that quarterback to play well. You should be able to coach him, right? You shouldn't just go get a Matthew Stafford who has ridiculous arm talent. He's 15 years and then he's kind of running the offense. Then what are you doing? And McVay has run through a lot of talent in in Los Angeles, they signed Gurley to that ridiculous deal. And then he didn't play like four games later. He brought in Cooks, signed him to a massive contract, then shipped him out. So it seems like there's a lot going on with McVay. And the league bought into his coaching tree heavily with the Sean Taylor, Zach Taylor going um, to Cincinnati, Matt LaFleur going to Green Bay. And those coaches have question marks around them. So I think that... Kind of, kind of in the same vein as Kyle Shanahan, great offensive mind, 
kind of set the league on fire a couple of seasons as an OC. And then the league just jumped all over, right? Because that's the new it thing. And they bought into it. I think it's too soon to tell. I'm not saying he is washed, but I think he still has to prove himself as a coach. Yeah, I think we run into an issue where we, the you know, it's people are quick to just ordain people the next great whatever, right? You even see it in the defensive coordinators like Brandon Staley and um, Ibra Flues, Jonathan Gannon, right? Quick to be like, oh, this, this guy's real sharp. He's a beast. And it's like, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, yeah. it's like the scheme's not crazy. And I think, you know, uh, you see these regressions, like they're still young coaches, right? Um, and I think everyone is immediately like, oh, they're Bill Belichick, they're Andy Reid. It's like, no, those coaches also struggled early in their career. We remember them how they were now, but they've been coaching for 20 years, right? Um, and, you know, we didn't say Andy Reid was a great coach until he went to Kansas City. It was always I couldn't really win it at Philadelphia. I mean, like people didn't talk about Andy Reid the way they talk about Andy Reid now. You get a you get a ring all of a sudden, and they're like this revisionist history. So, I think now there's definitely this like everyone's looking for that next hot thing. To Sean's point, um, and as a result, we we probably tell people we probably say so and so is so good two or three years before they are, and then when reality starts hitting in, it's like oh, like is Kyle Shanahan good? Well, he went to the Super Bowl. He went to the Super Bowl one year. Every other year, his team's been terrible. Oh, he got hurt. He had Garoppolo. He had Garoppolo in the Super Bowl year, right? So, you know, it's like, are we really doing apples to apples? And and is the league catching up? Like, I don't know. Like, the, you know, those questions don't happen because it's always the quick excuse. Oh, well, you know, there's something else. So it's a, it's a fair point. It's definitely a fair point. We'll see how this year ends up. And there's something to a head coach being able to manage a team and manage personalities on offense and defense and special teams and and your coaching staff um so like the 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 worst offender of this idea was cliff kingsbury getting hired as a head coach but there's just just this idea that okay well if we get the offensive mind and he meshes with the quarterback well that's better than having a ceo type head coach Mm -hmm. and a great offensive Mm -hmm. coordinator who if the offensive coordinator has a great season is going to leave uh, and then we have to replace the offensive coordinator with a new offensive coordinator who might not mesh with the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I understand that's a I understand the sort of the, the logic in that to a certain extent, but your head coach also has to be able to manage a team, mm-hmm. um, and that is the part that I think is missing with, from a lot of these teams. Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. I still think even as good as uh, as well as Arizona is playing this year, I think Cliff Kingsbury has a lot to prove. In yeah. that regard as well. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. that's the part that's a little underrated. The the idea of being the CEO of this you know billion dollar business as the uh, as the head coach. It's more than just calling plays. It's more than it's a part of everything. You have a say in picking the the uh, the, the players, the the culture of the of the program, everything that you that you do, um, and we've seen it we've seen it crumble from from the top down. Um, couple weeks ago we were just talking about Gruden being kicked out and what's happening with the with the Raiders and now we've kind of come to a a situation with what's happening with Henry Ruggs and uh the news that that came out a couple days ago um about him uh getting drunk more than twice this the legal limit and then getting behind a wheel going up to 156 miles per hour um and then hitting and killing a woman and her dog um, 
I remember as an Eagles fan when Dante Stallworth did the same thing several years back. He he uh, he killed someone, and it was it was a big deal then. But it was no, there was no social media, so it's not like a you know people aren't doing memes or like just having continuous conversation about it. Um, for for you guys, when you when you heard the news, what were your your thoughts, or what were some some things that you've that you've heard in in connection to this that uh, that you think kind of stands out for you? I mean, the first thing I thought of was uh, there's this picture of a. Uh, Devonte Smith and Ruggs doing their celebration in in Alabama, and they did it when the Raiders played the Eagles, um, and it was just one of those like you know childhood dreams. And I'm like, ah, you know, these these kids are 22, 21 years old, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in college, you know, both in both at Alabama a year ago, talking about how this is how we're gonna do it, and and uh, it's gone. Like he's facing up to 40 years, right? Like this is, this is real football numbers. Right. And, and it's like, you know, no one knows why, like it's hard to sort of like explain um, in a place like Vegas where, you know, limo service is standard. You just, you know, you can get a limo to go to a buffet. Right. It's just, it's just so commonplace. You know, he made that decision. He was with his girlfriend, so he, you know, he brought someone else in there, and those are going to be additional charges. So it's, 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 it's ugly, man. It's, it's a tragedy on multiple levels. Um, I'm assuming something like that happens. He was probably been struggling with this for quite some time. You don't just, I got drunk one time and I started speeding. Like that's, I feel like even drunk me would always be like, nah. If anything, I'm driving super slow because you're like, I'm a little tipsy on your borderline. But you know, to to crank it up, to max out what your Corvette can do, it's 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 just like, can't imagine what what the process is. There's nothing. There's no logical thing that goes through it, and, and it's a tragedy, man. It's a tragedy. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> definitely. Like the the tragedy of it all. That's sad. I feel for the family and the woman. Um, putting that aside, if you can, the, the first thing I thought about was that Henry Ruggs doesn't really care about his career. I'm sure he, I'm sure he likes his career. I'm sure he liked playing, being in the Mm. NFL, but, um, you know, you don't do that if you actually care about the, the, the game of football or this as your profession, as your craft, um, like. Like if Yak said, you can get a limo to do anything in, in Vegas. Do that. Everybody has access to Uber. Um, the NFL has its own service, its own car service. Yeah. Car service. Exactly. Yeah. So all there the decision to get it into the Corvette and push it to the max while you're double the the blood alcohol limit, it's just that's not a person who cares about his career. Yeah, it's you know the point that you made if about the the age of of rugs and a lot of these players, where you know your brain is is still freaking forming right till you're 25. You're like 22, making big boy decisions about your life and your career and all these things, and you just kind of hate to see someone do something that's you know you can't go back on it at all because. You know, the, there was this lack of like a thought process where, you know, if you're 30, right, 
and you're you're that drunk and you're and you're thinking about going that fast there's kind of this like what's the best case scenario that's going to happen here you get through the cars <laughs> like what like what, what what are we doing here like what's the best case scenario it's going to feel cool like what what are we doing but when you're that young and you just you're stupid and then you then you have yeah. these moments of like true idiocy that now in a situation like this it's it changes everything because now you're it's not just your career um it's not just like your mental health and the fact that like you will always be remembered and have to live with yourself for what you did um but yeah you're facing criminal charges because it's such a like ridiculous amount on both sides that it's just you you're you're not going to escape it it's just the question is how much can you get and it's i just i've never seen anything like it yeah it it's sad and to your point monk it like at 22 no one has perspective i mean we all think when we were 22 we had no perspective of the world right and you think you're you can't be defeated and then add on top of that you came from the best collegiate program in the nation you're a first round pick you're in Las Vegas, you're making tens of millions of dollars, right? That puts your ability to not be defeated exponentially. So you, you think you just make these dumb decisions and kind of connecting that on the mental health aspect, Calvin Ridley just left football because of citing mental health concerns. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to, how, how big of a problem for these players is mental health and what while they're in the league, not I'm not even talking post post playing career CTE that kind of stuff. I'm talking when they're in their prime and is the league taking note of that? Are they is this going to bring more awareness now and put some thing in place to help these young guys? Like, okay, hey, you're 22, you're on top of the world, but these are some fatal mistakes you can make, and we're going to help you not do this. Yeah. I, I think it's a it's a situation where the fatal mistakes that you can make almost just grow exponentially as time goes on. As we like add social media, you know, I remember listening to someone saying that like the human mind was not supposed to hear more than like ten people commenting about them all at the same time. Like you're not supposed to hear fifty thousand people complaining about you or like saying, "Ah, oh, this guy's shit." Like. You're just not going to be able to comprehend that. And there's there's this this switch that has to happen if you become a celebrity where you have to, like, understand almost the law of numbers and be like, I'm, you know, I, I sold 10, 10 million albums. So if 50,000 people absolutely hate it, that actually makes sense because these millions of people actually love it. Like, your mind is not going to be able to do that. So the issues that come with having a bad game and then going on social media and having to hear thousands of people and the loudest people and the most you know repetitive people tell you how trash you are and how you're not worth anything and all of that and then on the other end of the spectrum being around other people who are like you are on top of the world you're 21 you got two million dollars in the bank you know everyone's talking about you i really don't know how you deal with it and yeah. my understanding is that they talk about it during like the rookie symposium and then you just hope that you go on a team where there's a leader who could like take you under their wing and have an ongoing discussion with you. But like, I, it really would be, it really would take a wholesale change to, to prepare people for that. I mean, they, there's stuff in place. I mean, could there be more? The answer is yes. Right. 
between Brandon Books, I mean, Lane Johnson also took time away this year um, to talk about mental health, mental health. So it's, I think people are getting more comfortable sort of bringing it up, which is a good thing. Um, what would be great is to sort of, to have the next level conversation, like who's going to bring Troy Vincent on a podcast? Like Bill Simmons needs to be like, Troy, like, what are we doing for these players? Like, what is the league doing? Um, you know, that player personnel person, I know Dawkins was it for the Eagles for a while, Quentin Michael, like, you know, there's a person who's on staff and your job is to like, basically be a big brother for a lot of these players. And maybe that's not enough. Maybe it needs to be in different ways. Like, I don't know if you just go the Patriots way and it's like, stay off of social media, like the brand's bigger than you. And then that keeps people in line. I mean, that's, that's a lot, but uh, I can see the appeal when stuff like this happens. And it's just like, you just try to keep people at least shaded away from it. And it's like, you know, making an interview requests, like you're not doing commercials. Like, you know, I don't need anybody telling me, I don't need to have a problem like in Cleveland where, you know, the amount, I didn't even realize how many progressive commercials Baker was in until one time. It was one game. And, and like, I think he was in six, they just, they were just stringing them along. I was like, man, this whole like Baker lives at the stadium thing. Like, I yeah. get the idea. Yeah. Yo, they've done like 10 commercials with it. It's like, they're just like, this is going to be our pitch for years. That's the, I've never, I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. No. Um, and that's like, I get it. Progressive is based in Cleveland. Great. We get it. But geez, come on now. Like he's not even doing anything else. It's just no, they, worse it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. The, um, on the mental health point. Um, so I don't, I don't trust the NFL or Goodell or the NFL team owners to really do something about this. Cause I don't think that they by and large, Think about these things critically, but it reminded me as y'all were talking. It reminded me of um, in the NBA, um, the commissioner there, Adam Silver. You know, he, he made a point. I think it was last year, or maybe before last season, maybe it was before right, right before COVID hit, where he, he was being interviewed and he said, "You know, this is it, this new generation of players seems to just not be happy, and I don't know why. I don't know why." Mm. Kevin Durant just seems to just not be a happy person. I don't know why. Just like across, and Kevin Durant's actually on the older end of, mm-hmm. I guess, the generation. He just like the rookies coming into the league were just not happy, um, and he wasn't sure why. And he he pointed to the potential of it being a mental health issue across the board, um, or maybe it's just generational. Um, he didn't have an answer for it. And I don't have an answer for it, but he's at least somebody who's in a position of power that has seems to have thought about this beyond the surface level. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is for a whole league of individuals, how to fix that or help fix that. But um, it's something that probably needs to be looked at more critically as players start to talk about it more. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's going to be the ongoing thing, especially as you have a society that is becoming more progressive in specific ways. And then you're still a part of an organization that kind of is the basis of your life that is not moving at the speed of the rest of society. Right. Where you in other areas, you're able to, you know, if you are if you are queer or if you're a woman, even something like that, where it's just like you know, we've not that we've solved it, but we're 
pretty far ahead of where you currently are in your in your organization. And so how does that affect players uh, going forward? And um, just the idea of of uh, I was I was having a conversation with this and this will be the last thing I'll say about it. But I was having a conversation about how just sports overall um is a very it's very toxic how you how it's like taught from when you're young and the the lessons that you get when you're young as you move up we all think about the 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 lessons about teamwork putting the group ahead of you and and all of these things but there's other aspects to it of just how competition works that we've just kind of accepted like i mean what are you going to do what else what else are you going to do um that don't work in the real world and then don't like prepare you for being an empathetic person or being a person who's like, Hey, I'm going to share this thing. That's like bothering me, whether it's big or small. Um, and then you bottle that up until to this point and then you're, it's, it's going to be tough for you to, to acclimate. And so then you have things like stereotypes or cliches that tend to be there for a reason where it's like, this person's a jock because People who go through this sports program tend to have this certain personality type because this is the personality type that gets you through. So that's uh, that's our that's our week's heavy-handed uh, deep deep dive into uh, into the culture of the of the sport that we are playing fantasy football in. Um, so several several degrees removed, <laughs> but, but we, uh, we, we, we had to get in there, um, for, from a fantasy football standpoint, um, we're, we're going into week nine for the, for the two leagues. We're still out, out of our divisions, um, playing teams that are, that are outside of your division. Uh, you may have a situation. I had a situation, two leagues where I was playing, um, playing Mr. President in both leagues and we split, uh, I won one, he won one. Um, I will I will make it known that in the league I lost, I, I had a whole player that didn't even play um, or Emmanuel Sanders played and didn't do anything. He didn't register. I thought he didn't play because I saw 0.0 and I was like, he must have uh, must have broke something before the game. And then I I read reports that, no, he was out there running routes. They just <laughs> he just, he just played every down, <laughs> just didn't catch a pass every down. He put his hand out to make sure the ref got him on sides and all of that and just never caught a pass. <laughs> So, so that's <laughs> so that's uh that's unfortunate. But we 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 have that going into next week. You have another week of of playing against different different teams. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. We start division games again week twelve instead of week uh week eleven. Week twelve we start division weeks. Um, you know, seventeen week season. The playoffs start after week fourteen. So it'll be uh. It's going to be a long haul to get to the get to the end. We are, we're in the middle of the season where teams just start bunching up, and you see a bunch of four and fours, you know, five and threes, three and fives, all in the same division. So it'll be interesting to see how it, how it shakes out. But any any final thoughts from anyone? I think for me, um, it'll be interesting to sort of see how you know this is the we're going to the second half of the season and obviously the extra game so far hasn't played a big role, but I do see the playoff picture shaping up. I think the, 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 the rush for just one seed last year was kind of tough. I think this year is going to be pretty big about who gets to rest players. 
um, how that math begins to work with the extra game, but knowing that you're, you know, if you're a two seed or a three seed, it doesn't really matter. Like you're still playing that, that playoff, that wild card weekend uh, and how that math may work out. Uh, we were having a conversation about like, you know, could the Eagles challenge for a playoff spot and get that seventh seed? You start doing the math and in the sense that like, well, they play the Cowboys last. And if the Cowboys are locked into the two seed or three seed, probably going to rest their starter. Maybe that's a win. Maybe it's not. Uh, the backups could still beat them. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. But it did get me thinking about the the playoff push. And right now, these are the weeks, these next three weeks or so, where, where tiebreakers end up happening. Where it's like, oh, you know, the Steelers did beat the Browns like randomly in week seven. And that, that comes back in. Or, you know, the Bills did drop to the Titans. And, you know, the Ravens did beat that team. And we start thinking about what that means from a from a standing and who's playing what in December. Uh, you know, this is this is when it happens. So keep an eye on that, especially for your fantasy team. If you're rocking with a star or a stud on a team that's pretty good, uh, you you hope that you don't fall into something where you know they're going to pull off Zeke, you know, week sixteen, seventeen, because they know that they're pretty they're solid in the playoffs. So. That's I'm curious. I'm always watching that. And well, now's the time to try to get the wins when you can. While you got your boys playing, just stack them as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the fantasy gods always have a way of leveling everything out by the time the season comes to an end. And if you were dealt a bad hand in the first half of the season, like my team was between buys and injuries to almost every star player, they'll get healthy. You'll start to right the ship. And the teams that seem to be riding at the top, They'll lose a Derrick Henry, and then they have to scramble and try to make up for those 35 points a week. So stay alert. Look for those waiver wire gems as they pop up. Try to pull off some some trades if you can to stack the teams because wins now are just as important as those last three weeks in the season with the uh, divisional matches. Yeah, I guess for me, what I'm looking at is similar to what Mr. President said, will teams start to sit their best players just like in week 12 not even wait until the last week of the season now that we have an extra game will there just be a rest game for certain players um and how that affects um different uh fantasy teams and matchups i kind of thought that Dak prescott took one this week or was it last week um, because he walked off the field after the previous game looked healthy and then there was a question about a calf injury and then he just didn't play, and he seems like he's going to be fine back playing again. I kind of wondered if that was what the team decided to do with him, um, and I wonder if that's going to continue just because it's a longer season and that, that extra game matters as far as, you know, those are extra hits on your body, and maybe you want to play that last week, that week 17, week 18 game, but you'll sit the player week 10, 11, 12, 13. You know what's, what's so. funny about that is that the the – where the toxicity of the NFL is that you probably would have to pretend that it was an injury. You'd have to do it the way it happened with Dak Prescott in order to sit that player. Because even though everyone fully understands the likelihood of getting injured, the likelihood of the, the league being longer, you're trying to do all this, still no one will accept you saying, we're just not going to play Dak this week. I'm like, I just, we're just trying to, we're going to rest him. People will be up in arm. They're up in arms in basketball. And like basketball is 
It's not even the same level of like a contact sport. And people get pissed when they're like, you're telling me LeBron's not playing this week or he's not playing this one particular game out of 82. Um, so that's probably what it's going to have to be. It'll be like, hey, he tweaked, the, tweaked his knee a little bit. He'll be out for exactly one week and then he'll be back. <laughs> but uh, that's it. That's it. We'll 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 wrap it up there. Went a little longer than we would have hoped. We appreciate you, uh, Jamal, coming through to uh, to share the wisdom. Got into some heavy topics and somehow got it back to fantasy football right there at the end because uh, we're professionals. We 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 does this. Appreciate the love. Come back next week. Um, if you have anyone that is has been thinking about the leagues, forward them the pod as we show up wherever your podcasts are, uh, and keep it moving. Week nine coming up. Let's see. Uh, let's see how your how your teams go going forward. Living Legends Podcast. Peace.